what stories am I telling myself? Where is my programming off? And how can I start to rewire that programming myself so that I can be healthier and do the things that I need to do and play bigger and be a better father and all these things? What is up, you beautiful bastards? It's your boy, Cold Brew, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talked to my very good friend, Charlie Hohen. Charlie Hohen started his career off working side by side with some of the most impressive people online today. He interned for Seth Godin while he was still in college. Then he worked with Ramit Sethi to launch the New York Times bestselling book, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. And after that, by the way, he worked as Tim Ferriss' right-hand man in editing and marketing of The 4-Hour Body and other things. Today, he is the head of video at Scribe Media, a book publishing company whose mission it is to help everyone on earth write and publish their own book. So look, this episode, we were supposed to talk about book marketing because that's what I'm working on. Instead, we actually ended up talking about following your own life path and overcoming the fears that are holding all of us back from the success we want. I think you'll really enjoy this discussion. In this conversation, you'll learn at least three gigantic things. Number one, what did Charlie learn from working with Tim Ferriss, Ramit Sethi, Tucker Max, and more? Number two, Charlie talks about his experience with MDMA therapy and how it's helped him on his personal growth. And number three, Charlie walks me through some of my own limiting beliefs and practical ways that we can all overcome them. Enjoy those three things, plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. Before we jump into the conversation, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, you good looking person. I release three marketing videos every single week. That's youtube.com slash okdork. Last week's top video was about how to get started with email marketing and get your first 100 subscribers. Go check it out at youtube.com slash okdork. Also, a special pre-show shout out to listener Roy Bauman. He said, fantastic. Noah is a game changer for business and self-improvement. Thank you, man. I love you so much. And I appreciate every single one of you gorgeous listeners. Have an amazing day. Well, two things that are interesting. One, and you asked how my morning is. I've been really focused on doing this thing called Maker Morning this week where I do a very specific morning routine before I touch any tech, before I like start fucking with, you know, my text messages or check my aura ring sleep score and bullshit that like just goes down weird rabbit holes. And I, I've been feeling like really fucking on fire with it. So what's the routine? No, oh, that's 995. It's in the ebook. <laughs> <laughs> no, the morning routine. Well, I like that answer. But uh, the morning routine, what is my morning routine? I have a, a list here. Basically, I wake up, I take my collagen pills because I'm old and white and I got to keep my skin tight. <laughs> For what? <laughs> what do you mean? I'm trying to look good forever, man. I'm trying to stay sexy. And then after that, I do 30 push-ups, and I kind of just sit on the floor after the 30 push-ups, just get my exercise in. And then lately, I've been journaling. So I write about the book. Remember, you gave me that, that assignment. So every day, I've been just journaling either 5 to 25 minutes. Today, I just kept going. Just was in it. And then I read. This morning, I finished the Surrender Experiment and started reading Letting Go, or I'm reading this book, The Upside of Stress. Yep, that's a good one. Letting go is intimidatingly good. It's great. I, w I wasn't a big fan of the surrender experiment. Well, I'm curious your thought why surrender experiment. Part of me feels like you can surrender anything. So for this book, which is why I wanted to talk and record this chat today was, am I not surrendering to writing this book? I'm like, well, that's kind of what that book would say is like, oh, you just surrendered all of it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I read it, I think, gosh, it had to have been six years ago. And I couldn't get through it. And maybe I'm thinking of The Untethered Soul because they're the same book, right? One is just a first-person perspective. The other is like, here's how to apply it to your life. 
And I can't remember, it may have been The Untethered Soul now that I think about it, but I just couldn't get through it. I didn't really like it all that much, but I can't remember why. How's your morning? It's good. It's good. Um, We're on week two of having two kids. And so my normal routine has been disrupted wildly. But Emmy, our older daughter, just went with Nana to hang out at her house for a few hours. And so Andrea's upstairs with June, chilling. And here I am. Here you are. You said the Letting Go book changed you or impacted you. Why is that? Letting Go is just... For one, I think it has one of the best introductions of any book I've ever read. And you know when you watch, when you read a good book or you watch a webinar or something, they always start with the problem. Or even commercials. Are you tired of waking up with lower back pain in the morning? Are you tired of having your skin sag down? You're, you're in your 30s. What's wrong with you? Get on collagen, right? But if they start with get on collagen, you don't pay attention. That book spends the first chapter detailing every single thing that people try when they're avoiding their emotions, right? Like every single possible therapy modality, every diet, it just lays it out page after page after page. And you get to a point while you're reading that where you're like, all right, I'm listening to whatever this person has to say because they've just... They laid out not only my past and present, but they laid out my future plan in case none of these therapies that I'm doing work. And then the levels of consciousness that he talks about and articulates is just really great. And of course, just the simple concept of being intentional about letting go of the actual emotion after you've fully expressed it. Once I knew how to actually physically feel those feelings, I found letting go to be helpful. What's an example for you? So I used to have a lot of anger that would come out when I was spending time with my family and somebody would say something. And it was really frustrating because I didn't want to be that way, but it felt like this program that got flipped on that just had to run its course and I couldn't stop it. You know, so it was like all of a sudden I was the quiet asshole in the corner who was just steaming and couldn't turn it off. And so once I started doing MDMA therapy or the few sessions I've done, I was able to encounter those scenes in my head, relive them, be the adult in that situation, like be the parent to my inner child and kind of help them through it. And work through the emotions that I'd held back, anger, grief, you know, sadness, and fully express them. And then it was truly like, you know, it takes 15 minutes or so to fully express an emotion until you're exhausted. And it's like, there's nothing left coming out. Usually, that's what it feels like for me. And then it was just like, it sounds woo-woo, but like physically feeling, okay, this emotion, I can physically like let it go after it's been expressed. And it's not always on the very first attempt that it's gone, but each one, it it gets less and less and less. And yeah, I mean, surrender, letting go, it's all kind of the same thing. You, You stop repressing the painful shit that you're holding back. I wonder if part of that is we're not facing the big problem right in front of us. 
and it's accepting it or acknowledging it and going into it. With MDMA therapy, is there a therapist you recommend or how do you? A good friend of mine is a psychotherapist. He was a really close friend of mine first and then became a psychotherapist, luckily. (laughs) So he's always just been my sitter. The most important thing with any therapist is that you trust them and you respect them and you like them and you feel comfortable with them. He's not doing therapy for me. Like the MDMA is the medicine that takes its course and takes root and does its thing. And you kind of go along this ride and they're there to basically be your shelter and to make sure that if you feel sick during the experience, like you get overwhelmed or anything, like they're there to just protect you and make you feel safe. It's interesting. It made me think of my friend. I don't, I don't want to say his name, but when I've done like shroom therapy, which is I've done a little bit of that. I've done a little MDMA therapy. I've done ayahuasca therapy. And I don't know if they're therapy, but or, or whatever you want to, maybe there's a new type of label self of self-improvement. And what's interesting, I think about a good sitter or someone that's great in your life is that when I'm going through something hard and I'm like, man, that was hard. Their reaction is not to comfort me. Their reaction is that's good. And I've always found that really surprising. Or it's like, yeah, it was hard. <laughs> and it's interesting to, to think about that in life where I had a meeting yesterday and I wasn't rude, but I was definitely like, you guys can do better. And I think there's better for us. And it's interesting about the, the people around us that it's not saying, hey, you should be this person. It's like, you should be whoever the fuck you want. But I can see that there's things that you can be doing better if that's what you want. What was the context where you said you guys could do better? Was it just within a, your company? Yeah, within the company. So the two things were David, who runs SendFox. SendFox is our email marketing tool. Oh, yeah, you use it. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Bro, we just launched two crazy new things about it, by the way. Did you see the new stuff we've launched? Yes. And thank you for incorporating active subscribers. Like, that's the metric that I care about. SendFox is getting better and better. I like it a lot. Though, can I I give you a... uh, well, I'll, we'll do it. We'll do it after because I, I have to revisit and make sure that you guys didn't change this feature. But I love SendFox. Yeah. Oh, which feature? Just say it. I'll, I'll tell them. I can't even. Re- it was something with images. But now that I think about it, it used to be that you couldn't adjust the size of images, which drove me crazy. You can do it now. Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting about that. And I'll tell a story about what I I didn't scold them because I'm not a fucking father and I'm not no one's boss. But what's interesting about SendFox is what the world asks of you versus what you want to ask of the world. And so what I mean by that is that if we kept building SendFox the way the world wanted, we would just build MailFox. (laughs) It would be MailChimp with a fox. And it's hard to be different. What do you mean? We've actually been building it for two years. And we built it because we hated, I hated MailChimp. And so I asked Garrett to come with David and this guy Enrique. And I was like, can we just do something more affordable that's easier? Because MailChimp is like half an hour to write, you know, to just set up. Yes. Gosh, I complained about this for years too. I think what you and I probably talked about it. It's like you have to go through six or seven screens just to send an email. It's insane. Yeah. The thing that's been really shocking though, I'll tell you two things have really changed our trajectory. And I think SendFox is going to be one of the biggest things this year. I have a lot of, I have a lot of confidence in it. And two things really changed it. One, we decided our vision. We decided our purpose. I'd ask ourselves and I'd ask customers and I'd ask our team, like, what's the difference between us and ConvertKit or us and AWeber or us or MailChimp? And it was always, well, the price. And it's a little simpler. That's not really that inspiring. Like, it's cool to build something you use. That's my most important part. I'm building something I love and I use and I like that. 
But to just build a fucking cheaper MailChimp, like to wake up in the morning and go do that shit, I don't, I can't inspire or ask that of others because I'm not willing to do that myself. And so we finally, literally, it took two years, we finally got clarity around that. And it is to help people grow their audiences. It is the number one place for people to grow their audiences. It's interesting because I don't care about your info product. I don't care about Klaviyo and e-commerce email marketing. I, it's not what I'm interested in. I'm saying, how do I help grow my active audience, that the people who are interested in hearing me, then how is SendFox the number one tool online to do that? And then that clarity led to our goal, which is our active audience goal. So how do we grow everyone that's using SendFox's audience? And then what we decided is, oh, well, that's just a bunch of metrics. That's how many people are signing up for them. How many people actually get an email? How often are they sending an email? How often are they sharing it? And then now there's just numbers that we can go tweak. And then the second part of that thing that, that was so powerful was what are we doing different? And not different for different sake, but just different that's like, wow, that's fucking, that, there's a boner in there. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, no, no, I'm serious. There's a boner in there in that a boner happens when you're excited or you're woke up in the morning and you have, you know, someone nice name next to you or you just wake up like I did today. And the point with that, though, we started building some things that were like, we'd really just want to build stuff that we think would be unique for us. And only recently, this unique stuff, people are like, whoa, what's that? And so we've built a few different things. One, we built a referral tool built in. So if you go to the sendfox.com slash Noah and look at my recent email, on the bottom of the email, it says, we custom built it for every sendfox uh, customer. If you refer people, if you do one person, you get this, you get three people, you get this. And you see this on big sites, but it's not available for regular people. So we launched that, which is fucking really powerful. Two other things that we've launched are unique and amazing. One, literally today, it got really good. It's called templates. And so we, we went on basically enable everyone to have a five bullet Friday. Because I believe if you're a content creator, you have to stay top of mind and you have to be emailing and communicating weekly. If not, daily is a little bit too much for me. So the problem though is that it's a fucking lot of work. I, I work with Mitchell and he spends probably hours. What tweet, what text? So what Garrett and Anike and the team did is we suck in all of your information from everywhere. The future is even gonna be crazy, but the V1 now is here's your Instagram, here's your Twitter, here's your YouTube, here's your blog, here's your podcast. You just choose the ones you want and then we automate and you hit go and it puts the email in for you. And the next step of that is that you don't even have to do anything. So like Tim Ferriss, right? let's like take Tim or Ramid or Tim Kennedy, any of these people, we can just put their feeds in because right now all of our stuff's fucking everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn, it's all over the fucking place. And so what we'll do in the future is we're just going to automatically import all their information and they'll have a page, people can subscribe and then we'll automatically be sending weekly emails or whatever's the most popular content across those channels. And eventually they'll just be like, well, I want to be able to communicate to the, my audience. And so they'll come and claim it and take it. I like that. Yeah, that's big dicking. So that's live. If you go into SendFox, well, this month we're updating it. And I think that's it's kind of a personal problem as well as a business problem is I'm always off to the next thing. I'm like, what's the next thing we're going to do? And even this month, we're going to do new things. And we had a realization. And that was what I was talking to him about yesterday. We coming back full circle was we can do a lot of things good, but we can't do a lot of things great. And so I like doing more quizzes. Like whenever someone forgets something, I always say, just remember, don't use your phone. And I think it's good to do that and do good to do quizzes because I'm like, yo, use this fucking thing. That's what it's for. And so I was talking with David about, we built that referral thing, Garrett and the team built it. And we were already thinking about doing a thing called social sharing. So after you write an email, we'll help you share it in all the different places. And it was an interesting realization. It was like, all right, well, what KPI are we affecting? What number are we trying to improve? Which is getting your, growing your audience. So that's great. But we already built this thing that's, that we started. Why don't we just fucking double down on that? 
it was a good discussion around it. It was a great discussion. And I think it helped David grow. I, I even wrote it down this morning in my journal that one of the greatest feelings I have, and I think anyone can have, is knowing that others are growing because of you. At least for myself. Like, because I've always had this fear that I'm hurting other people or I'm imposing or I'm slowing them down or their lives aren't better because of me. Why do you have that fear? I don't want to impose on these people. I don't want their lives to be worse. Why do I think I'm worse in their lives? One example of it in relationships. I'm recently single. Really? I thought you got engaged. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm sorry. You're, or I don't know if you're, you're sad about it, but... Uh... I'm not. I'm sad for her, and it's a longer discussion. But it's the best decision, and I, I hope she finds happiness. I think one thing I was going to say in relationships, and I was telling someone this this morning, whenever someone breaks up, you should always just ask, is it a sorry or a congratulations? I try to ask that because there's something there with that. I'm with you totally. I just, uh, impulse. No, no, it, it's our natural thing. We always do it. It's like when you leave somewhere. It's like, all right, see you later. It's like, no, you won't. So in my previous relationships, I think a lot of them, after we break up, they get married. And I have thought to myself, Depends wow, on your age. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm in my 30s, but even in my 20s, a lot of them, we break up or they break up or I break up and they go and get married to the next person. You're like, good luck, Chuck. I know. If you want to get married, <laughs> ladies and, or guys, come, come ride. And to the original point, I feel like, oh, wow, they're better off without me. Hmm. Like their lives are better now. And I've always felt a little sad about that, but also happy. And only recently, I'm feeling like people's lives are better with me. And I, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's something, there's definitely something deeper to that. Why am I thinking that others' lives aren't as great? Yeah. Why would that be your story about yourself? I don't know. I've never actually thought of it explicitly. Like one thing I did this morning. Sorry to cut you off. I'll, I will share with you. By the way, you're not sorry to cut me off. So that's another one. Well, the, <laughs> I have something relevant to share, which is from the MDMA sessions. I had a very intense scene. Oh, gosh, it was it was rough. But I basically, I had to talk with every woman I'd ever dated, hooked up with that I felt guilty about, that I thought I'd hurt, that I thought I'd left them in a worse place. And then after that session, my takeaway was like, I need to apologize to all of these women. It was only a handful that I felt like a deeply hurt and left worse, made their lives worse. And the irony was all of them did not have that story. They did not feel that way. They were like, oh, no, like, I didn't think that you were, you know, it's it sucks. Yeah, but I got over it. You know, like I'm still standing. My life continues. Right. And so I share that because I think it's easy to like make up a story in your head that you're this wildly influential person who's left somebody's life in shambles. But that's often not the case. It's it seems like I've known you for over 10 years and what people say behind your back is, you know, to admiration, respect, gratitude. It's not this fucking guy, <laughs> you know, left me worse off. Well, I haven't talked to all your ex-girlfriends, so maybe. <sighs> well, they're, if they're married and they're happier now, like I'm, I'm happy for them. Yeah, but isn't, isn't every relationship messy, though? Isn't every single one a stepping stone to improvement? Yeah, I think about that in business. I think about that in the relationship. I think with myself, it's there's this like idea that I like slide back. Like right now, I'm like the healthiest I've been in a long time. My productivity is great. My like energy is great. And there's this like, oh, it's going to go away. It's not going to stay. You're not going to be able to last. 
And I don't know if it's like a dad or childhood thing or or where it comes from. I know there's there's definitely parts where, and this is you know related to the book. That was one of the things I want to talk to you about. But yeah, I've had these thoughts that oh, what I'm doing isn't actually helping, or what I my recipes, which is the word that you used, and I really like that. My recipes don't taste good. Like when does that come up? I think it's been forever. I used to think everyone who's ever bought an AppSumo deal was stupid. <laughs> really? Like you pulled one over them or what? Yeah, like this is, I think it was, it was doubt if it's really helping. Are they just buying it and not doing anything with it? And are these products actually good quality? Or is this like the products that I use? And, you know, I had a, a therapy session or coaching session like a month ago and, and the coach said, really what you're saying is that you don't think your stuff is great. Exactly. You're judging yourself. I know. And then he started, it was almost like the curtains opened. So this is one thing I was, I was going to mention to you this morning is that in my calendar every other week, I have uh, an automatic reminder that pops up and it says, go reply to comments. I go and reply to the comments and I've never read really the comments before. Never actually read. I always was like, if you're listening to me, you're stupid too. And if you're buying stuff that I recommend, even though I like it, maybe you're stupid too. I don't know where this is com- it comes from. Like the doubt around that. We all have doubt. I don't think I'm unique with that. Yeah, you're, you're not alone in that. It would be funny if you ended your podcast episodes with, <laughs> with that. If what, you're you listening to this, <laughs> you're stupid. Uh, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, we're all stupid together. I, you know, I think what it is in terms of me sharing around this or discussing it with you even is we all have some levels of insecurity around different things that we're exploring and working through. And I think about it when one goes away, you're like, oh, I'm finished. It's like, no, there'll be the next one. And then there's the next one. Like I, I thought about that with successful people where you know, I've been interviewing different people over the years and meeting friends and connecting, which is so empowering. And you meet them and they're like, yeah, I'm reading this thing and I've took this course and I'm doing this thing. I'm like, oh, that is why you are successful because you're still working on it. And every, yeah, the comments lately, like I, one specifically, I, I put out a video about an NPR podcaster and we put it on YouTube two years ago. I didn't once ever look at people responding to it. And like about a month ago, I had that conversation and I started looking at the comments and People are like, holy fuck, this like changed how I'm doing my podcast and this helped me run my thing differently. That was a great resource, by the way. I've passed that along to literally, do you know how many people have asked me for advice on podcasts, on starting podcasts? That's the top resource I send them. Like, if you're going to do it, like, this is how to be a top dog. Yeah. So even today, like I did my every two weeks, I do try to reply to as many comments as possible. And it's almost like they inspire me as much as I'm inspiring them. You know, it's funny hearing this, it reminds me of the conversation we had the other day where it's like, and this isn't just you, you know, this is everybody. I think your inner narrative is way harder when you're judging yourself. But when you make it about others and helping them, serving them, their stories, it's much easier, right? It's, and it's much more rewarding. We all beat the hell out of each other in our minds, but I mean, I've struggled with this. That's how you keep playing small, basically, is you, you just only listen to your story. Yeah, and so only recently have I really started embracing, I call them the underdogs, the people that you know, want to hear my message, my voice. And you know, I was telling Mitchell, who I work with today, I don't want them to watch my content. Why? I want them to do something with the content. That is my intent. I, maybe that's every creator's intent. I don't know. I want them to go do it for themselves. That's the problem, though, man. It's like I have, and I'm sure you've seen the numbers, like 
free doesn't equal action. The more skin they have in the game, the more they actually do it. Yeah. Like I have been wondering, you know, and we talked about this, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to chat with you more about it, is, is going big. You know, we talked about Tim and we talked about Ramit and had a really good conversation with Tucker about it. And he's like, dude, there's no reason you're not big as big, if not bigger than them. It's true. I believe it 100%. Yeah. And I haven't in these conversations, I feel like if we put this out there and others like, well, oh, Noah, what? It's about me. It's not about you, which is, you know, that's true as well. Everyone cares about their own story. But I think there's some part of me that everyone feels, not feeling me literally, but the feeling of I'm not enough or I'm not having my potential. I'm not having my greatness. Well, zoom out 20,000 feet and you're watching Noah in the God seat. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Seat. So you're just watching yourself play out. Would you say that about yourself then from that point of view? That I'm not playing big right now? Yeah. I don't think I'm playing big. No, I think I'm playing very safe. Okay. What does big look like? Playing with the possibility that there could be failure. And you've, you've only done stuff where you can't fail. I think especially now I'm, I'm playing in my comfort zone and I'm playing around. I'm not playing. I'm working on things that they're challenged, but not challenging. Like, give me an example. No, like right now, my weeks are normally like having conversations with you, sharing learnings from Sumo Group and the different things we're doing. You know, it's a little bit of marketing experiments around okdork.com and maybe the YouTube channel. But I wonder, you know, there's not, there's not as much risk in that. Yeah. So like rewrite that week. What is a challenging week look like where there's risk of failure? Well, I'll tell you the things I'm thinking about with that. That's what I was journaling this morning. It's like hiring some people to treat myself and the stuff I'm doing professionally, not treat it like a hobby. That's scary, right? Like AppSumo is a business and Dork is a hobby. And treating it like a business is an interesting commitment to myself and scary. What's scary about it? Betting on myself. Why is that scary? I you know, probably don't know if I can do it. Do what? Live life to the fullest in the, in the specific sense of like the company, stay with me on it and don't let me go on it. I was trying to think like, why do we want to be challenged in life? What's wrong with a life where I have a house, I have a table, we go to the diner, I have two week vacations, I work nine to five and I'm complacent and I'm satisfied. Is that, and, and then I, I was thinking about that today and yesterday and it's like, why is that bad to me? Or is that bad? And I think at the end of this life, if I ever die, I don't, I don't plan to, but if I have to, I would like it to be as enjoyable and, and as fulfilled as possible, which doesn't mean easy. And so I, I wonder what are some of the larger challenges that I can experience in this lifetime? And I think putting myself out there really publicly is as a fear and challenge of, is my message worthy? Can I help the people that I think I can help? Do they even need my help? One thing I've realized recently around this is like all of my career is, in the past 10 to 15 years is promoting kind of others, other people, right? Like AppSumo is built on promoting other people. You're not alone there. I relate to you on that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, you know, to some extent, which is great. And I like doing that. I, I don't say I love promoting greatness. I think on the other side of that is, you know, maybe it's from the Facebook days when I got fired and I didn't think I was as good as these other guys. And so then it's kind of kept me from saying like, I can, I should go all the way in promoting myself. And then, it's something that, you know, I talked with, I was talking with Tucker, like, yeah, do I, do I even want to be that big? And I think that's kind of why the surrender experiment, some of these things like talking with you and the surrender experiment book and the book letting go and the breakup and all these different pieces and coronavirus, it feels like it's been the perfect storm or the, this calling that's saying, 
surrender to what the world's asking you to do and fucking go for it. And part of me is like, I am afraid. I don't know. I don't know what's behind that door. And so that gives me a little bit of motivation to face it. I don't know if I'm, I'm being like a whiny bitch and, and stop. I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of authors over the last 10 years. Literally all of them have the exact same underlying emotion, which is fear. Because fear, as I'm sure Tucker, Tucker talks about this, fear to the brain is death. Or I'm sorry, change to your mind is death. And so that radical of a change means the death of your current level, of your current life. Yes. And so you even made a joke about, I don't plan on dying, but if I have to, your brain interprets it as death. And that is scary. And so it's a valid emotion to be afraid. It's a fact you're afraid. Everyone's afraid to level up. It's scary. So don't call yourself a whiny bitch. That's not acceptable because it's human. And so, or I asked you, what does it look like to level up, to be in the place where you're being challenged, where there's risk of failure? How could I objectively see Noah is playing at that level? How could I see that? I mean, the things that come to mind for me, I'll tell you what's, it's, it's a bit scary is doing like live businesses. I don't know if you've seen me do that a few times, like I did on Tim's show a long time ago, and I've done it on YouTube a few times. That is fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's no joke. That's scary. But it's thrilling, right? Like, because when it works, it's like, woo, I know, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, sometimes, you know, you need that reassurance. We need that the recognition that we can do it. That's afraid. I think with this book thing that we're discussing, there's fear. I think I'm afraid of like, what do I really want out of this? And then I'm also afraid, you know, it's not that my only thing, but it'd be a main thing to focus on. And then I, I wonder if it's worthy enough. I'm afraid, is this even worthy? Is this the real thing I should be spending my time on versus like maybe creating more software? All right. So let's, let's talk about each of these fears one by one. I'm so afraid. <laughs> well, let's talk about them, right? What did you say is the number one fear around the book? Do I really want this now? Is this worthy of my time? If I want more attention or if I want to have more influence or effectiveness on people, is this the best way for it to happen? All right. So is this the best use of your time? That's the fear? There's some concern. You know, I think I talked with you or maybe it was with Tucker, but it was around, I really admire like the Jeff Bezos and Zuckerbergs and these people making things. And I think with like specifically Ramit and Tim, you know, I've been friends in a long time and it's not, it's not a criticism of them. I want to follow the path of, you know, maybe the Branson or the Bezos or the people who've made the businesses. They're not making books. Branson wrote, has written a few books. I mean, you can also follow the path of Noah Kagan and a book might be really great right now. In any case, so the, that it could possibly be a poor use of your time. It, how possible, how likely is that to be the case? Not. Not. Okay. What are the consequences if it's a bad use of your time? Opportunity costs. With AppSumo? You know, doubling AppSumo or SendFox or helping HallDrop or, you know, starting something new. It's interesting, though, that everyone at the team are like, do the book. It's interesting if, you, if we want the feedback or if we want to hear what the people around us are saying in all, in all for everyone. Like I was thinking about that this morning. I think the number one way to be, have a superpower is to ask for feedback from people you're impressed with. I agree. I think that's like the number one way you can get superpowers. I'll tell you from working with Tim, the thing that 
amazed me most that he continually did was he continually humbled himself to ask for advice. You know, like whenever he set off on a new endeavor, that was a very unique characteristic of him. Like no matter how good he thought he was or accomplished, he would always seek feedback from people he admired. And so Chad and Eamon and these guys are like, yo, we're doing really interesting stuff at AppSumo.com. We've done interesting things over the past 10 years. Like you need to go out and tell it to the world. For real. So it, what what would be the plan for you to prevent it from being a bad use of your time? How could you prevent that? I think the, the ultimate thing is, you know, is this something I really want? Then I don't think it can be a bad use of my time. So do you really want it? I do want it. I don't know why I'm like not surrendering or letting go to, to go into it. Lately, I, I have been leaning towards it. My friend said this, and it's really resonated with me. It's just like, are you willing to go all in on life? And I think this is part of it. It's like, all right, this is, this is the next challenge. Like, this is one thing I've thought about for me. This is like a higher level challenge. This is a harder problem. Like, I've put out little books and that stuff, but it's like, what about a big dick book? Like, you've built a big dick business. You haven't had done a big dick relationship yet, like not fully. And, you know, and, and professionally, I think there's other aspects. This is the question my fr uh, I was reflecting this morning. How would I live if there is no failure? And it would be like, well, I'd put myself on a national stage and I would believe that I should be on that stage. What would it take for you to believe that you've earned that spot? That's a great question. I, it's funny, when, I was, uh, when Tim was coming up, my brother and my parents would always ask, like, what did he do that he could write a book? And that is not as a criticism of him because he's helped millions and millions of people. But it's interesting, especially in today, that the belief in the self. Don't divert from the question. <laughs> Talk to me about you, not Tim. What would it take for you to believe that about yourself, that you belong there? When I thought about it yesterday, I just thought about two girls, Helena and this Jennifer, not flirting or not dating or any of that stuff. But they both, uh, one of them texts me and one of them posted on this Facebook group, our monthly 1k.com Facebook group. And she's like, wow, this changed everything for me. That gives me a belief. Both of them. Jennifer too. Jennifer texted me today. She's like, what you're sharing is helping me so much. And then it's also, you know, starting to think like, well, how many other people out there are like that? And I know there's 30 million unemployed people. Do you have a swipe file or folder full of those types of comments? I have a few. Yeah, I've been getting lately the monthly 1K thing we opened up and I was honestly shocked how many people we've helped. I did not think it was actually helpful. I know it's fucking crazy. And people probably if anybody if we end up putting this out there and people listen or not, like, of course, you put out stuff. It's like, I think I was so consumed with like the next thing. And I was so consumed that my stuff isn't great enough that I didn't even want to look at it like really look and really see. And it was shocking, like literally since Corona, so many people have messaged how much better they're off. And, and that fucking inspires me to do more of it. Why don't you trust yourself? I feel like I've let myself down in different ways over the years. So it's in a deeper sense. I want to trust and say like, fuck, you can do it. You know, one of the mottos in Sumo is we can do anything. And I think it's interesting stuff we say like that, but maybe there's stuff inside of us that's not that. We often project onto others what we don't think we're capable of ourselves. I mean, I made a book called Play for a Living, and I really believe that, but it's hard for me to do sometimes, so I project onto others. Should I make a book called Living a Small Dick Life, and then I'm projecting what my small dick's like? <laughs> I joke to diffuse, okay? You know, I think part of it is like, I made this podcast episode 
two and a half years ago. And it was about how I bought a Jaguar. It was orange, it was bold, it was convertible, it was dope. And then I put out the episode after I ended up selling it. I haven't talked about this, but I thought about it. I was like, wow, that, that episode sounded like such a whiny bitch. And I don't know, that was almost a disappointment in myself with some of that stuff. Like, does that really help anyone else? Or am I just trying to like vent? You know, and part of me, I think, holds myself back saying like, well, why do I need to reach all of them? Why don't I just keep focusing one by one and build that up? And am I responsible for like teaching the world how to start a business and overcome their fear? Yeah, I think when you say that, it's not the world. It's individual people, real people who as soon as you impact them, it impacts their family, their friends, their community, the people they serve, and you become a leverage point. You know, you're not trying to teach 7 billion people how to start a business. You're not trying to boil the ocean. I'll tell you from my experience, because I relate to a lot of what you say, Noah, is one of the things that helped me for years, I'd wanted to host my own live event, but I was scared to because for one, when I helped others with their live event, it felt like it practically almost killed me. It was a lot of work. And I was also convinced like no one's going to show up. No one's going to want to pay money for this. Like it's going to fall apart. There's too many details, like every excuse. The thing that helped me get over that hump, one of the things was I put together a Google Doc of every email that made me cry, basically. Every email that I'd ever received from a reader or somebody I'd helped or a client that brought tears to my eyes. And one of the ones that really impacted me was this woman that I'd worked with who, when we started working together, she was struggling. You know, she, she was close to poverty levels and was scraping by, but she was a violinist and she loved playing violin and helping others learn how to play. And we came up with a game plan together. And within a year, she had brought her business to six figures and was able to quit her job and move out of California in Los Angeles, where she was living, move to Austin and start the process of adopting a child, which she'd always wanted to do, which is like, it was just incredible to me that that like words that I'd said helped her move in the direction that she really wanted to go. And you've, you've probably have more of those than you, you could even fathom. And have you ever sat down to really put together that type of like documentation, your own book of other people's beliefs in you? Put it on my list. Because if your inner beliefs don't serve you in helping you play at a higher level, maybe you need to borrow some other people's beliefs, right? Like what would have happened to those people that you helped? If you'd, you had decided to never do those things, where would their lives be? So when you make these comments of um, being a whiny bitch, it's like, no, it's not that. It's that you're making it all about yourself. And this isn't about you, really. You can get all the things that you want. You can get the status. You can play on a high level and everything. But if you only make it about what you're getting, you're not going to get it. It's about all those people that you've helped. That was something I was, I was curious about, that you've worked for 
Ramit, then you worked for Tim, you know, working with Tucker now. I am talking about me, but I am I wrote in my in the notes, like, what did you observe from them? <laughs> Here's the list of 5,000 things I observed. It, no, so yeah, like a lot. There's a lot. I'll tell you what they have in common is, first off, I think one of the more unique things that they have done and that they share in common, they've written books. I'm talking about Tim and Tucker specifically in this instance. They have written books that have sold to millions of people. The unique thing is they wrote those books specifically to a handful of people. So Tucker wrote them to his law school best friends as emails. That's how they started. So you can't fake your friends, right? Like you can't, that's a high bar. If you're not funny to them, you're not funny to anybody else. With Tim, he wrote it with a few friends in mind. And I can't remember the specifics, so I won't describe them. But like he wrote them to real individuals. And I think that's key for doing these books. Like we work together on, I just happen to have it sitting here. We work together on the four hour body together on this. And he wrote those chapters with specific individuals in mind right? Like, oh, they would love this chapter. They would love to post this on their blog, or this could change their relationship with their wife or whatever. Like he was really thinking about real people while writing those. And so I could go on and on just about this point alone, but like they never create content with the idea of the masses will love this. They create it with real people in mind. Other things, what kind of things are you looking for, Noah? Just keep going. I, I have a feeling you'll get there. I think they're often, very often scratching their own itch in what they're writing about and what they work on. Like it's something they get excited about and it's not a drudgery to them. How many health and fitness books are there? There's so many on how to lose weight and stuff. Tim was stoked. That he was excited the whole time while working on the four-hour body. It was fun. If you read Tucker's books, you can read in certain books the stories that he's having the most fun retelling, right? Like there's an excitement, there's a there's a joy in his earlier work. What impresses me most about Ramit is his ability to keep growing and to keep seeking the people he needs to help him grow. So he seeks out high-level coaching constantly year after year. He's always pushing himself to grow, some cases literally. Like he he had the script in his head for a long time, the programming that, ah, it's just a skinny Indian guy. He would make jokes about it. And then he examined that and he hired people who had solved that problem. And now he's ripped. Like he's he's a big dude now. Tucker's very much the same way. Like Tucker was the thing that I've modeled most of Tucker is his insistence on healing and changing bad programming. So he's invested more money and time than anybody I know into various therapy modalities because like the childhood we grow up in, we unconsciously are searching for those cues, right? All the time as adults. So 
if you grew up in chaos and people punishing you, you will create that as an adult. You will create chaos around you and you will actively seek to get in trouble on an unconscious level. I have a friend who this happened to. He's been in jail dozens of times. And as soon as he gets himself into a stable life, he starts to create chaos, right? Like all of a sudden he gets in trouble with the neighbor and all this stuff. And I think we do this. And this is part of the reason why I think it's it can be hard to grow to new levels, right? It's like you're trying to recreate what you're used to on an unconscious level. And so with Tucker, he had a rough childhood. He's talked about this publicly. So basically described it as being neglected. You know, you grew up with parents who, who did well. To, they just didn't really acknowledge him very much. And so he has had to go through lots of therapy to create healthy relationships and like to be able to have a company where there's healthy dynamics at play between him and everybody else. I've taken that to heart and really tried to model that of like, okay, what stories am I telling myself? Where is my programming off? And how can I start to rewire that programming myself so that I can be healthier and do the things that I need to do and play bigger and be a better father and all these things? I've found that tremendously helpful. Tim is very much the same way, you know, he's invested a lot in therapy. He's come to those realizations as well. Ten years ago, it, you wouldn't describe any of these guys as like, oh, they're really emotionally healthy <laughs> and really in touch with themselves emotionally. But they've definitely influenced me on that level a lot. I'll tell you the first thing that really hit me, and then the second part. So the first part is that a lot of us are looking at others recreating home life. Like I, I thought I was over my dad's self-sabotage. She had this business that got pretty big and he basically did drugs and blew it all. And I thought I was over that. And maybe there's still some of that lingering. Like, oh, if I go this further, I'm going to ruin it all. But the thing that you said that kind of was interesting around that is I was like, well, Jeff Bezos doesn't have a book. But what you said is, what's the Noah Kagan way? What's the Charlie Hohen way? What's the Helena Liu way? What's the Mitchell Cohen way? And it doesn't have to be, I don't have to follow these other paths. And well, the other thing I was reflecting on was what Tucker said yesterday is that he said, he said, your messages and what your impact, especially with AppSumo and KingSumo and, you know, the material we've already put out, he's like, there's no reason you're not bigger than them. There's no reason. The only difference besides, you know, the recipe thing, which we've talked about, is that they believe they should be that big. It's like they believe. I'm thinking for everyone listening, but just for as well for myself, like, Interesting to think that, right? Like, I believe that my next, my destiny is this. Where do you think they fuck got that from? I was going to say, it's hard to change the belief unless you have a habit of doing the thing that instills the belief, right? They have some sort of proof point that changed their identity about themselves. They had something they could point to. And I wonder, you said earlier in this conversation, I'm always talking about what's next. And how often, instead of looking up at the mountain that you're climbing, how often do you pause and actually look down and say, look how far I've come and look at all I've done and be present with that rather than just thinking about the future? Your belief in yourself, maybe, I could be wrong, but maybe isn't there 
because you're not reinforcing those proof points that you are that person, that you are a big deal, that everyone else sees it, but you do not. Why? Because you're focused on the gap. I was telling someone this yesterday, why I love microwaves. <laughs> All my food is cooked in a microwave. And the microwave is fast, and it leads you just to do the next thing. And I think there's something interesting about that where when you have to cook your food, you have to pay attention to it. And it actually tastes a lot better. And so I've been thinking about microwave living. And with the work stuff, I, I'll tell you one thing that shocked me, Charlie, to what you're saying, and I, and I really like hearing it. And I think this is true for myself and for everyone, for you, me, whoever's watching or hearing. We reopened that monthly 1K course. And I went through the whole thing myself before I opened it up again. And I edited it as best I can to make it, you know, it had some like older stuff in there. But I was looking through the course and I was like, holy fuck, this is great. I didn't really even notice it. And I just closed it down. I was like, what's my next thing? And I almost felt sad, like, fuck, this would have helped a lot more people if I had it open for that. I closed for three years. Where is this video going to go? Like, where's the main hub? YouTube and podcast. Okay. So for people who get to this part of the video, I want you to do Noah a solid. And I want you to write a comment on YouTube and tell him where your life would be without him and where it is with him and why he should write the book. Something to that effect. The difference Noah has made and come from a place of like, give it some thought. It is hard to be a content creator. It's hard to put yourself out there day in, day out. Even though it's kind of fun, it can be exhausting, right? Especially, this is the hardest part about being an author is you don't know. I've sold thousands of my books and that's not a humble brag, but like I only have a, a few hundred reviews. So I don't know what impact I've made. Like, I don't know if people read the book or if it just sits on a shelf. And so it can be the exact same with you where people might buy your stuff, but you don't know the impact you've made. You just see a number, right? Another customer. So tell him what impact he's made in your life on this YouTube channel, under this video, so that he can read these and let them sink in and help him move forward with his fucking book. You know, the, the interesting, it's not the book, it's life. The book is a... It's a symbol. It's a symbol. Yeah, it's a gateway. It's the... I just still don't know the difference between a metaphor and an analogy or a simile, but maybe that's another episode. So anyway, symbol, yes, let's stick with that one. How do you think it, it resonates for everyone? Like everyone has different things in our lives that are holding us back, whether we want to recognize them or not, and in, in, in all facets from like relationship to work to ourselves. Yeah, I think I've got my own theories and I don't know if I'm right, but I think a big part of it is we live in a culture that celebrates the individual rather than the tribe and what's best for the tribe. And it's easy to get wrapped up in you being an individual, of you being important. And I think we forget that we're all one big family. We're all part of this life together and we are all connected. And if you make it too much about yourself, you get paralyzed. You can get all that stuff, right? You can get all the status and everything. You can get it's like that famous quote, you can get everything you want in life if you help enough people get what they want in life. 
And so I think it's very easy to get wrapped up in the story about you rather than the story about helping everybody else. When you say that, my, one of my first thoughts, it's, inter- it's interesting, the stories. And, you know, sometimes we don't even realize our stories. My first thought is, you know, helping everybody else. It's like, I guess it's just like, is that what I want to do? Do I need everybody else to make, feel good about myself? I'll tell you, you won't feel good about yourself by helping everybody else, clearly, because you've been doing that for years and you're still dealing with this. That was some shit right there. That's got to come from you. Yeah, lately I've been thinking about calling myself the voice. (laughs) Bear with me, bear with me. Not not changing my name entirely. Maybe I will. I think what's interesting about the message I have to share, or what's interesting about, I think the things I've been sharing is that I don't think I'm actually better than anyone else. I think there's a little bit of a difference between me and potentially other content creators out there. I think I just am the voice of it. And I don't want to be, a fo- I don't want to have followers. I don't want fans. And I want people that do it for themselves too. And it's like, I, I think a lot of what I share is just the voice of what other people need to be hearing. Whether they want to is, is up to them. What happens if this book never gets out there? Not in your life, in theirs. Uh, it depends on what book we end up writing about or I re- end up writing about. I think a lot of people just waste a lot of time and money starting companies that don't work. That's not that bad. No, that, and I mean, I think a lot of people, I think what's even more interesting about what gets me more excited is having people overcome their fear. Oh, you want to give medicine that you haven't taken yourself. (laughs) I'm taking it, motherfucker. I'm taking it. I'm taking bigger doses now. This shit's like bigger dicks. You know, I guess I wonder, is the symbol of the book the next step in that medicine for me and the next step of fear? And clearly the fact I'm talking to different people about it, I don't know. I think sometimes when I hear people talk about a lot of stuff like, do I like this girl? Do I not like this girl? Do I like this girl? Do I not like this girl? It's going to be like, if you like the girl, you wouldn't fucking ask. And so I, I do wonder with the book, is it, am I just afraid? And that's what the book is symbolizing for me in my life? Or is it that I don't really want to do it now and I should go find something else to do? But clearly, I, I won't shut the fuck up about it. I'm being called to it from myself where I'm like, okay, this is the next step. And, you know, from the tribe. Did Tucker tell you that fear is the exact same physiological responses, excitement, all the physical feelings you feel around, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. That's also excitement. So you're excited about the notion of getting this book out there and stepping into your greatness. I was reflecting on that yesterday or two days ago where the fact that I'm afraid of doing it, the fact that it's just one thing, the fact that I can't move on to the next thing. You know, Tucker said something yesterday I thought was really powerful. He's like, you can't call it in. You can't have someone else write your book for you. You're not going to appreciate it. You're not going to be fulfilled by it. And I think I am scared because I'm like, all right, well, what's my next thing? And what's my next thing? And I just thought of this now. Well, that's interesting. The book is really the thing. It's the slow life. Think about that for a second. It's not microwaved. I can't just put out a video and put it out. I actually have to like cook it. You got to make a campfire. Marinate it, start the fire, go to Whole Foods, complain that Whole Foods is out of stock. That's interesting. That's really interesting, man. Because I will tell you, I think part of my levels of growth lately have come through the slowness, come through the looking at the comments, come through just helping Helena. Let's say we're on your deathbed. Ooh, is it a nice bed? Is it a Casper? What what kind of bed are we talking about? Luxury deathbed. You've accomplished everything in life that you wanted to. You don't have any regrets. Is the book on that list? Yeah. Yeah. I would say at least trying it. And I don't like the word try, but at least doing it and going for it. If we're on your deathbed, not we, just you. I'm, I'm in there with you, but 
you're on your deathbed and you haven't written the book. Is that so bad? If I'm on my deathbed and I haven't written the book, is it so bad? Honestly, probably not. Why? Because I, you know, it's like if I help one person or a thousand, what's the difference? 999. <laughs> I know. And I think that's something to, to kind of reflect on. It's like, on one side of me, it's like, well, we're, we're talking and I'm thinking like, do I need to help everyone or can I just help one by one? But I think there is something powerful that a book is another medium. I think of people taking my message more seriously and being able to provide it to more people. There is something very powerful about that. And so instead of the numbers, and I think that's where I'm starting to think about with like my building my audience or building the book and less about how many book sales. Like at first I was like a million and Tim was like, you're fucking stupid. Yeah, I agree. That's a dumb, dumb metric. Well, I think to that point, it was, if I have something, I can say, hey, follow this path. Some fucking interesting about that. And it's really like, it's, I guess at the end of the day, it's their own path. It's just saying, here's some ways to help you get better on your path. And I think that's part of the appeal of me is that I'm fucking figuring it out too. If I were in your shoes, Noah, it's based on the conversations that we've had and everything that you've expressed. It sounds like you really want to do this book. And it's going to be a thorn in your brain until you can get it out by publishing something, right? Something that you're really proud of, something that feels good in your hands that you can confidently hand to anybody and know that it's great, right? But you're going to keep running in circles around your fears, right? Until you invest in yourself and have a team that's not going to let you run in circles anymore. You know, it's interesting. My ex would always talk shit. She's like, everyone, all the people that work for you, just do whatever you say. And I've thought about that. I, I, I think the reason our company's done so well is because all these people don't do what I say. And I have felt for dork in the book and, and the things that I have to share. It's, I do need a team and I do need help. Like we just hired a, a social media guy today. I was like scared. I literally, as we started talking about today, I was scared. I was like, oh, I made a bad choice. Not he's a bad choice. I was like, it's a realization that I'm taking it seriously in myself, for me, and for other, others. And that's scary. You know, I was talking with chat about it. It's like this fear of failure is almost as strong as the fear of success. And then I was trying to really think about that. Like, why are we so afraid of, of succeeding? Like, if people haven't succeeded yet in their own measurement, that's one side of it. We talked about it. It's death to your current self. To change that drastically is traumatic. You have to grieve your past life. Some next level shit, Charlie Hohen. Where is this, where's this coming out of? It's just the truth. That is true. It, it's, it's funny. I, I feel like I'm growing more now than ever before. And I don't want it to ever stop. And it scares me. Like how much I like it. What if you got addicted to that fear? Think how fast you could grow. What if you learn to like it instead of being comfortable with it? I'm just writing it down. What if that was your signpost that you're doing the right thing? You know what is funny about that? I've said that over the years, and my buddy Adam says it too, like discomfort is your compass, and quips are fucking easy. Hashtags are easy. But to actually feel uncomfortable is very hard. It's challenging. And I think to be able to ask it of others, I need to ask it of myself. You know, part of me is like, well, why does that even matter? And I'll tell you, for me, when I've asked it of myself, life has become better. It's become more colored. And that's fucking cool. From where we started and where you are now, how do you feel? What was that journey for you? 
in terms of the conversation a few days ago and then today's yeah i feel ready i feel more ready to go into the fire and i think there's the details like publish for self-publish and some of the more micro stuff but i'm putting the team in place i'm putting more importantly myself in place and i like your your suggestions around go your own path <laughs> and with your own path like if it's if you are helping people and that is firing you up which it fucking does like even this guy today like sky js or rs on youtube was like man this is fucking game changing for me i'm like i wrote the comment was like dude this inspires me his comment and then at first i was like is that weird to say i was like no it literally inspires me like i do it because the fact that he's doing something for himself fucking boners me and i'm gonna say weird fucking things like that i'll reiterate what i said in our previous conversation which was you know i asked you what do you want from this book and you talked about status and all this stuff but when you talked more and more about it it was clear that you want impact that you want to help people that you get fired up and excited when you see that impact the main thing i noticed in this conversation is maybe you don't actually take that time and i'm glad you have read the comments right or reply to comments in your reminders, but maybe that's a good investment of your time is to keep reinforcing this impact that you're already having, right? Because you've had it for years, yet there's still this lingering disbelief that you don't, that it doesn't matter that much. Agreed. I think part of me wonders for all of us is like, well, then am I just chasing like number of viewers? No. And I think that's what I'm recognizing to myself. I'm not chasing how many views or how many whatever likes or the fuck it is, but how many individual people. Like that literally does fire me the fuck up. Stories. That's why I ask people who watch this to, to, to leave a story, leave a comment talking about that impact. Because you got to see that, man. All right. Face some fear. Because you are that person. And as soon as you believe it, that book will come out of you. Ready to grow. I'm ready for all of us to grow. I feel like this is a, I feel so empowered to do that for myself and for everyone else. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you loved the episode. If you want to dig deeper into Charlie's universe, check out his blog at charliehoen.com slash blog. That is C-H-A-R-L-I-E-H-O-E-H-N.com. Next, text a friend you love them. Yo, dog, let's start a YouTube channel together. And before you go, make sure not to email me, podcast at okdork.com. I literally haven't checked it in weeks, and I still won't in the next few weeks. But you can tweet me, at Noah Kagan, and let me know what you thought of this episode. Also, remember to go subscribe to my email list. Come on now, people. I put my best tips into a single short email sent every single week and have exclusive content just for email subscribers. That's at sendfox.com slash Noah. And speaking of sendfox, the number one piece of advice I give to people that want to start a business but are like, I don't got any ideas, is start a newsletter around a topic you're passionate about or something you want to learn. So don't wait a second more. Go create your own email list right now at sendfox.com and it's completely free to use and get started. And a final special thanks to Jason at podcasttech.com. As always, for making these podcasts sound so nice and clean on your eardrums. And thank you, Jeremy, Michael, and Mitchell, who just joined the Dork team to make amazing content for you gorgeous people. And a special shout out to Justin Brumley. At Sumo this week. I'm glad. I think we met on Reddit or Stack Exchange or somewhere, but you're dope, man. Appreciate you. Have a lovely day. What's your favorite YouTube channel?